Anthony, was that an intentional open choice by you? It was indeed because uh, you're not the one feeling pain. I am feeling pain, and we'll get into that, I think, a little later. Yeah, we will. Anthony came to work out with me this morning, boys and girls, and I wish we could do three hours on it. Instead, (laughs) we are going to talk about NFL Championship Weekend, one that actually breaks quite well for the commanders in terms of their coaching search. We'll talk about that at 5 o'clock with Michael Phillips. Uh, We will get into Anthony and I's adventure this morning coming up later this hour. Uh, ESPN Seth Walter as well. 6 o'clock is when we're going to air the conversation that he and I had about an hour ago. Really, really interesting on the analytics side of the Lions decision-making, et cetera, uh, and just kind of how analytics are really used in these key coaching situations. We'll get into it uh, all over the next three hours. Also, it's a Wizards game day, so Dave will just... Two more times, one after the Super Bowl, the other one's today. It's time for First and Ten. It's time to get the breakdown started. First up, ten observations. It's First and Ten. Oh, what a championship weekend it was in the NFL. We wind up with a rematch, of course, of the Chiefs and the 49ers. Actually, the last Super Bowl week I went to was in Miami, Chiefs versus 49ers. Uh, We will be on Radio Row next week. That is very, very exciting. But the the first thing I want to point out from this championship weekend is not something that I think is number one. Number one. Did you know, dear football fans, that the Kansas City Chiefs are a defensive football team? Yes, the 2023-2024 Kansas City Chiefs have survived, gotten to this point where they where they are headed back to a fourth Super Bowl in the Patrick Mahomes era, which has lasted all of six years, because their defense is what got them here. Their offense has found itself, which is terrifying for the San Francisco 49ers next week and has been a huge problem for all the teams they've dispatched along the way, including the Ravens yesterday. But the Kansas City Chiefs defense was the seventh in the NFL in DVOA. They were second in points and yards allowed. They are, and I do not use this word lightly, great. And they did it yesterday without some of their most important pieces, including Willie Gay, their star linebacker, who would have been the best possible spy for Lamar Jackson, which is a tactic they did use at times. They just used Drew Tranquil instead, who has been great for them. Chris Jones is as good as it gets inside. Uh, Again, Tranquil in in the middle, uh, Gay in the middle, Nick Bolton in the middle. Their second level is pretty freaking good. And then on the back end, what they've done with guys like Legereus Sneed and and some non-first-rounders to solidify that secondary is is nuts like and it just goes to the fact that they might have the most underrated coach in football and maybe one of the 10 most underrated in NFL history coordinating their defense in Steve Spagnola. his resume is outrageous and it didn't work out for him as a head coach and I think everyone's kind of written him off I don't know if Spags wants to be a head coach you would think after all of this and the success that he, he's starting to get the questions of like, why isn't that dude getting head coaching looks? It didn't work out for him with the Rams in St. Louis back in the day. But damn, that guy can coach defense. They bottled up an offense that had just been crushing everybody. And they they did it with Mark Andrews back. 
Like the, the offense that crushed everybody got even better personnel-wise, theoretically. And sure, they get a little lucky on some stuff uh, and some self-inflicted wounds that Baltimore has. But I am of the belief that you can, like, sometimes, quote-unquote, unforced errors are actually quite forced. I think that there are times that a defense has you so tight by the screws that you are just in a place where you don't perform well. There's an, a level of urgency that's irrational, and you don't act in ways, uh, and you try to force it, and you wind up making mistakes because you're not you're not thinking straight. And I feel like that's what the Chiefs did to the Ravens yesterday. They're super solid all over the place. They don't miss a ton of tackles. They're good in covers. They're blanketing receivers all over the place. Their strategy is good. And so you have guys trying to do too much. And then when they do something, they're they're extra pumped about it. You know, Zay Flowers, obviously the, the target here of kind of what I'm talking about. I hate to single a kid who I think is going to be a tremendous player. Already is a tremendous player. But he's going to have a great career out. But he's a young player in his first game of that magnitude ever. And it got to him. And the Chiefs had a huge part to play in that. So I, I just think that, like, to start... Like, we're obviously going to talk about Lamar. We're going to talk about Mahomes. We're going to talk about the, the rest of this game. And then we'll talk about the NFC game on the backhand here of first and 10. And there's a lot of huge takeaways from this very, very interesting pair of games. But to me, you're doing a disservice to intelligent football people and to really the Chiefs and the reality of who they are. The, the storylines are sexier on offense for any number of reasons. But this version of Kansas City is a defensive team. And they are awesome. And we'll see what they do against Kyle and what Kyle can cook up in two weeks. But damn, damn, that defense is really, really good. And we talked about it all year. And now the receivers can catch and they're going to the Super Bowl. Number two. Number two. Um, Lamar. I feel a little bit bad for Lamar Jackson, but there's also the reality of what he has been in the playoffs, which is not the same guy as in the regular season. You face better defenses. It is reasonable on some level for your numbers to come down. I think that's what makes the great ones the greatest is that they elevate when the stakes get higher instead, even though the competition is better. And for Lamar, it has just gone the other way. Teams seem to strategize differently or maybe they're just more capable. Um, they, they're, they're the better team. They have the better players. They can do more exotic stuff. Like there's... I don't know exactly what it is. I, I do think that number three, we're going to get to the main culprit yesterday. But at the end of the day, when he's your MVP, like you, you're relying on him to do better. And he missed a bunch of throws and um, they put the game for better or for worse in his hands and, and they lost. And they had one of their worst offensive performances in a long time. Now, I also think it's really important to point out. And to me, this is like if you take anything out of number two here in first and 10, it's this. Just because someone has it doesn't mean they can't. And that's the nature of sports. And it doesn't mean that they will either. But it doesn't mean that they weren't capable. Lamar Jackson's capable of winning a Super Bowl. I would have no problem, you know, obviously, you know, contractually, whatever. What does it mean for the rest of your football team? But, like, if Lamar Jackson's your quarterback, you have a chance. And that is, like, he, that, that is a level that seven, eight guys in the league have. Maybe even fewer than that. We're just based off their presence alone. You got a shot to make it into late January, early February. And Lamar Jackson is undoubtedly one of those guys. He is going to be deserving of a second straight, or a second, uh, not second straight, but second MVP. He is a dude. But, but, he is not the dude in the same way that, like, Mahomes is a dude. 
And I think that leads us to the biggest problem I had and the reason why Baltimore lost yesterday to me. Number three. Is their play calling was abysmal. Todd Munkin is very, very good at his job. He's coached in big moments. He coached Georgia on the OC side of things to a national championship. Like, he's played for titles before. Um, But yesterday, to drop Lamar back 40 times in the game, he had 37 pass attempts, and then he had a couple of scrambles. Um, It's just unreasonable. That's not how Lamar Jackson is great. Lamar Jackson is great. Like, part of what makes Lamar great is he makes your running game better by his mere presence because the way you can put devote numbers to stopping the run changes because you have to account for him. Like, even if he's handing it off and it's not even a read option, just a little bit of a fake, like, the defense doesn't know that. They have to keep a backside defender home because if they don't, Lamar could pull it and run or the threat is there, and that changes how, how the gaps appear. And your cutback lanes and, and you know, who can scrape over and, like, all these things depending on how you want to handle him. And they had six carries with their running backs yesterday. Six. And a game that, from a game flow standpoint, was never out of reach. Like they were down 10. And so, yeah, like, are there other issues yesterday we'll talk about in a moment uh, or that, that we've already mentioned, like Zay Flowers and you know, getting that ball punched out and the taunting penalty and... Kyle Van Noy's penalty, not one a little bit more sketch, but like the Jadeveon Clowney, like that's just a boneheaded play by a vet that's got to know better. You can't, you know, get up under Mahomes' chin strap with the the crown of your helmet. It's an obvious rushing the passer. There's all this kind of stuff that contributes. It's not a single factor into why Baltimore lost, but I don't think their offensive game plan gave them a chance yesterday. And it's not that I think Todd Munkin's bad at his job. I think he did a bad job. I think he had a bad day, had a bad week. And I'm surprised that, that it got that far because if I'm John Harbaugh I come into that meeting and I'm like nah that's not what we're doing we're doing what got us here I'd be curious to know why they thought that was the best plan um Kansas City's too good for that um I think balance and and being great at what you're great at is the way forward and and it seemed like uh Baltimore kind of forgot that they were the best team in the league uh yesterday number four Number four, uh, my friend MJ Acosta from NFL Network put it excellently on Twitter. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is the boogeyman. And just he lurks and he's there and you're going to have to defeat the boogeyman to get where you want to go. And man, can that do boogie? Um, I, I don't know what to say. I started first and 10 last week talking about Mahomes. I, I There's kind of two different categories to me for GOAT. And this is not a, a an original thought. Um, but there's kind of two two separate conversations. There's like who had the greatest career of all time, and Mahomes is a decade away from being able to have that conversation. The longevity of Brady is unmatched. The things he was able to do over the course of time are unmatched. But when it comes to the peak, when it comes to like if you could have any single season of any quarterback ever, I don't know how you'd pick someone other than this dude. And I don't even know which of the last four seasons it would be. He is so money in every key situation. Some of the throws he makes, the plays he's able to create, his management of the game, his sense of the moment, it's never too big, and he is competitive as all hell. Like that dude, I mean, the pregame nonsense with Justin Tucker, like it's, it's all calculated. He knew, he knew, they knew, Kelsey and Mahomes, they knew they could get in Baltimore's head and get them off their game. They knew what they were doing. Is it annoying? Yeah, absolutely. 
Do you want everyone to just play a good, clean game? Yeah, but like, if you know you can get in your opponent's heads, that's sports. Don't be the the people on the other side who make it so easy to infiltrate your your skull. Like Mahomes is as good as anybody we've ever seen. He is third all time in playoff wins. Period. He is 28 years old. There aren't enough superlatives for this dude. And he like the other thing too is Andy Reid is his perfect muse. They are they are perfect for each other. Andy wants to be super pass happy and he found the guy that he can get away with it with. And not only can he get away with it with, it would be reckless not to use him this way. And Mahomes is completely unlocked, completely excellent, uh, and and put in positions to succeed. His creativity is is on max. And just I I could keep going. I'm not. You get it. Dude's incredible. And then last but not least on the AFC game, which is kind of on the AFC game kind of on the next two weeks, I am already tired of people complaining about Taylor Swift. She's on your TV for one second at a time. It's going to be okay. There are hundreds of millions of people around the world who adore her. Why? This isn't a music show. I'm not going to get into it. Next week, I do do think we're going to have my friend Nora Princiati, who could equally talk about Kyle Shanahan's offense and Taylor Swift, which is what makes Nora Nora. And we'll get into the phenomenon a little bit because it's Super Bowl week and it's going to be part of the story, whether you like it or not. But what I will say is complaining about it just makes you look like a noxious teenager. And as a grown man, and it's all men, as a grown man, actually, that's not true. Um, There are women who are complaining about it too. Uh, As grown adults who are complaining about the most famous person being on television for two seconds at a time, I promise you're going to be okay. Just, and not everything is for everybody. There are hundreds of millions of people that are now watching the NFL, or millions at least, tens of millions, who are watching the NFL that weren't before. That's cool. Maybe some of them will stay uh, for, for life. You got new football fans. Cool. Great. Like, just let people enjoy what they enjoy. It's not bothering you. And if it is, like, that actually says more about you than it does about them or about her or about the TV executives. If I if I was the director, I will 100% admit, I think 10% less would be way more effective. The occasional check-in, sure. Do I think it's a little excessive? Sure. She's also probably the most famous person on the planet. So, yeah, they're going to put her on camera. And I promise you, the game will be just fine. And you can enjoy it. And you don't have to complain There are no bonus points for complaining. So just keep that in mind the next two weeks. All right. Uh, We will get to the, actually, tell you what, at the the rate we're going, Anthony, we're just going to keep on rolling uh, into the NFC game. Number six. Uh, Number six, scrolling over to the NFC game. Uh, Big takeaway from Lions and 49ers is it's not about the fourth down calls. It's about the execution on those fourth downs. It is about the mistakes that were made by the Lions in this game. Momentum felt like it was on San Francisco's side because the Lions kept making mistakes. If the Lions had not made the mistakes, the Niners don't get the momentum. And the Niners didn't have, like, there is no magical, you know, the boogeyman is Patrick Mahomes. It's not a magical ethos that comes down and strikes a ball out. Jameer Gibbs has to hold on to that football. Josh Reynolds has to catch the football on multiple big spots in the game. Um, I think Ben Johnson, who I still like every bit as much as I did before the game, probably needed to find a way to get Amon Ross St. Brown back involved a little bit earlier, Um, but he did go to him in a big spot. Ultimately, those are the mistakes that matter. 
The mistakes that matter are the ones in the terms of the execution. Dan Campbell's decision-making on the fourth downs was perfectly sound. Um, the analytics data, which is real, no matter whether you like it or not, um, su suggested it was basically a toss-up. Either go for it or kick it. It's about the same. And considering Michael Badgley, their kicker, who, by the way, couldn't beat Joey Sly out in the preseason because his leg is not big enough, kicking 46- and 48-yard field goals outdoors, those aren't sure things. So you go for it. And that's also kind of who you are. And the, the, you're confident in it, and you practice those situations. So lo and behold, the the... the People who want to dump on analytics, again, like it's another group of people that just is telling on themselves. If, if I'm just going to be blunt about it, don't tell on yourselves as someone who hates intelligence and information and data and, and being smarter than my gut says. Dan Campbell got here because he, in part, because he listens to the information and the data more than anybody else pretty much in the league. He's one of the best, if not the single best game management coach in the league. He knows what he's doing. And that doesn't mean that it's guaranteed to work. Otherwise, they'd be, you know, 17-0, not 13-5 going into that game, or 18-0 instead of 13-5 going into the game. That's not a guaranteed proposition. Um, but ultimately, it's about the mistakes. It's about the Gibbs fumble. It's about... Um, the dude not making a pick and instead the ball hitting off his face mask and going to Ayuk. One team made plays, one team didn't. It was decided between the white lines uh, far less than uh, what was happening on the sidelines. Although I will say, in terms of number seven things that were happening on the sidelines, uh, Greg Olson made one of the best uh, observations I've ever heard from a game analyst during the game. And I, I truly don't understand what Aaron Glenn was doing yesterday. So what part of what makes the Kyle Shanahan offense so great is they subvert expectation. If you listen to Take Command, you hear Logan's use that phrase all the time. What it means is, like, if we, we're going to put heavy personnel so that you match with heavy personnel, and then we're going to pass the ball because our heavy personnel includes Kyle Juszczyk and George Kittle, who are tremendous ball catchers and, and wide receivers on top of, you know, blockers. So we get you in run-heavy personnel that's not very good at defending the pass, and then we pass it. So Aaron Glenn, early in that game, seemed to have a really good solution. We're not going to play personnel. We're going to play down and distance. First down, we're going with our heavy personnel. If you want to pass it, fine, but you're not going to run it on us. And then, for some reason, and, and by the way, it worked. They're up 24-7 at halftime. And then they started matching personnel more in the second half, and Kyle did exactly what Kyle does. He took advantage of it. They were able to run into light personnel. They were able to pass on heavy personnel. And the 49ers offense came to life, and we all know the final score. I don't really understand that. I'm not going to say there wasn't a reason. I didn't hear Aaron Glenn's postgame. I mean, coordinators don't really talk postgame. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I didn't hear anything as to why that change was made. But Olsen, an all-time observation on the broadcast – and to me, like, that's such an innovative thing for Glenn to have done. And I don't know why they got away with it. Meanwhile, on the other side, Steve Wilkes, in one of the biggest plays in the game, does a tremendous job doing something that I've been waiting for an NFL defensive coordinator to do, which is to fake man 
when a an offense lines up with the running back outside. Hey, okay, you want to run, line up with Jameer Gibbs out wide so that the linebacker will go chase him, and it's like, aha, we, we uncovered your disguise. You're in man-to-man. Well, they knew that the Lions were going to do that. Wilkes sends Greenlaw out with him. Then as soon as he comes back in, it's like, all right, we got the mantel. We're good. Come back. They played zone, and it messed up uh, one of their the Lions' like biggest plays of the game. So coaching on either side, hey, what do you know? It matters. Number eight. Uh, number eight. Uh, speaking of coaching mattering, um, and I want to rope the first game back in. The first 15 from Ben Johnson to get this game started. And by the way, the first 15, I said the other game, from Andy Reid as well. You want to talk about starting fast? These guys are so good at it. The mix of personnel, the mix of uh, of formations, the mix of pass and run. Like, just excellent stuff. And, and I know that they lost, and I know that they hit a dry spell in the second half. But you see yesterday what makes Ben Johnson special. That San Francisco 49ers defense, which is great, was all over the place. And Steve Wilkes did a great job, and those players did a great job of getting it back on track in the second half. Um, but to expect to score 40 to win, like, is ridiculous. They still scored, what, 31? Like, that's a pretty damn good day at the office. I think Ben Johnson, starting with the first 15, and then the ability to find it again in the fourth quarter and, and make it close at the end, really shows you what he's made of. And is that ultimately going to get him the job in Washington? No, but it's a heck of a, a data point on the resume. And then I think he's going to interview very well. And, and you know, he is he is a leader of men. He is he is all the things that you want in a head coach from everything that you hear about. And uh, who knows, by Thursday, he might just be the head coach of the Washington Commanders. Number nine. Number nine, um, a guy that <laughs> you, you wish you could rewind the clock and have him be the head coach of the Commanders, but uh, we all know how it went down. I'm really happy for Kyle Shanahan. Um, I think he's the best coach in the NFL. And... I know that he doesn't have a Super Bowl yet. Andy Reid does, you know, Belichick, you know, all, all these guys that do. Um, he's been out coached in games. He's had really bad. I mean, the Super Bowl where you're up 28 to three, you get the credit for going up that that high. But he definitely played a role in, in it going back sideways the other way. Um, but at the end of the day, all Kyle Shanahan has done as a head coach is built an offense that everyone in the league is envious of and whose principles they try to copy, and while doing it, consistently been the head coach of the team with one of the best defenses in the league. The way they've built it, their philosophies, uh, the principles of how they believe football should be played are so strong. He's an excellent, excellent hirer and identifier of talent, not just in terms of players, but in terms of coaches. And I just think that he has done it consistently better than anybody else. I know that it, that he hasn't won it yet, but I go back to what I said about Lamar. Just because you haven't doesn't mean you can't, and I think his time is coming. I, I mean, I picked him before the season. Spoiler alert, I'm going to pick him in this game, even though I swore to God if Mahomes won, I'd never pick against him again. Um, but I, I just think that Kyle is as good as it gets in this league, that everybody should be trying to find their own Kyle Shanahan, and if something funky ever happens and he's available, everyone would fight like owners would have a Royal rumble to go hire the dude. Um, and I'm happy that he's going back to the super bowl and has another shot to win it. Number 10, last but not least, uh, going so long that the music has ended. Uh, Dan Campbell, I thought was tremendous last night in the post game podium. 
Um, he said it's going to be twice as hard to get back. And he was real with his guys. Not He knows how hard this is. And he knows that once you put in this work, that it becomes even harder to get back because you have to convince yourself it is worth doing it again, knowing you could go through the kind of pain that you are being that close from something so special. And what he has done in Detroit is, like what Kyle has done in, in San Fran, a model for other franchises to build on. So... Yes. Am I a member of the Dan Campbell fan club since I saw him on Hard Knocks? You bet your bottom dollar I am. But I am really, really thrilled for a guy that does it the right way, who cares, um, and who just is unapologetically him in in a way that he doesn't have to apologize for. Um, Sometimes that phrase is overused. Sometimes people need to apologize for the terrible things that they do. But Dan Campbell doesn't have anything to apologize for, um, and he is... His realness at the podium in the postgame last night I thought was tremendous. I will play the clip in real things, uh, if not earlier on in the show. All right, that is our first in 10. First segment, 10 observations from NFL Championship Weekend. When we get back, we'll take your calls with your observations from Championship Weekend. It is the Ace Law Listener Line, 301-230-0980. 301-230-0980. Your calls on the Ravens season ending or anything else from Championship Weekend next. Taking your calls at 301-230-0980. The Ace Law Listener Line, if you're in a wreck, Ace Law helps you get a check uh, call 888-ACE-LAW for more. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app. And we're live and in person this Friday, 106.7 The Fan versus the Team 980 live. Your favorite radio shows together for one night, off air, on stage, and uncensored. And if you have missed the news and you don't have your tickets, John Allen's going to be there. Yeah, Commander's Defensive Tackle John Allen live and in person and uncensored. And uh, look, I don't know John Allen very well, but I've interviewed him enough times in the locker room to know that that man will enjoy being able to interview, being interviewed uncensored. Uh, There's just some words that are a part of his vernacular that uh, I think, I think John will do very well in this environment. Uh, Tickets are on sale now at BethesdaTheater.com. It's presented by Main Street Bank, Cheer Local, Bank Local. Put their team in your office. Visit MStreetBank.com. For more information. All right, to that Ace Law listener line we go. Your biggest takeaways from NFL Championship Weekend, where we see the Ravens go down, the Lions go down, and the Chiefs and 49ers advance to the Super Bowl in Las Vegas. Lap, get us started, bro. What's up, man? How are you? Hey, what's up, Craig? Hey, man, I'm... I wanted the Ravens to win. I was disappointed, but, man, I'm happy for my homes, man, and Hope he wins again, man. He is just a beast, man. He just not from this world, man. And uh, I'm a big Kyle Shanahan fan, of course. So, guess we'll see. Even though I don't want the Niners uh, to win, I, I want to see Patrick win again, another one. So, we'll see. Hey, let me ask you this, Craig. What's up? Does any of these coaching candidates change your perspective now? for not giving um, Eric being to be a fair shot because based on what I've seen, especially two top candidates, they, they lost and their resume still don't look as impressive as his. When, He's been when to did, the conference championship. Remind me when Eric Bieniemy lost this year? Well, I'm saying because you were saying when I had a conversation with you last time, 
you said that his case for being a head coach doesn't look too good based on what happened this season. And I'm saying that these other candidates, a lot of them don't have Super Bowl rings. They haven't got the multiple conference championships like Eric Bieniemy. No, but the team that he left just went to the Super Bowl without him, and the other candidates just got to the conference championship games, and they are in their, for McDonald's case, first year, I believe, as a play caller at this level, and Johnson's in his second. I'm just saying those candidates who we were so high on a week ago doesn't look that impressive. All I'm saying is you got to understand this guy's been interviewed – I'm just saying, man. I mean, no, no. no I'm saying, who did who did they not look impressive to? Because I was pretty impressed with Ben Johnson yesterday, and frankly, I was really impressed with McDonald the way he was able to turn it around in the second half. So you you still would want Ben Johnson, even though with the way it would happen. So that's more on the coach and not on him at all. They scored 31 points against the San Francisco 49ers and would have had more. Like Ben Johnson didn't tell Jameer Gibbs to fumble. Ben Johnson didn't tell Josh Reynolds to drop a fourth down and another wide open. I believe that was like a third and 12 that hit him. You can't say between the numbers because he wears number eight. It hit him in the dot of at the center of the eight. It's not coaching. I'm it's execution. Saying, you don't matter those yeah, mistakes. They might have scored 40. You, yeah, but I'm just saying you you make what, it as is well, what what are you saying? Yeah. Like you can't just when I answer the respond to your point, you can't just go, "Oh, well, I'm just saying." Like I just made the counterpoint. I answered your question. No, you made the you made the counterpoint, but what I'm saying is it still is not clear cut just like you made it seem like because what's going on with what they did, they didn't get to a Super Bowl. So So you're 100% you results based. Of, you're 100%, which if one of those coaches had won the Super Bowl this year, that's the one you would have wanted as your head coach, and nothing else matters. No, I'm just saying I'm just saying with everybody trying to crap on Eric oh. Bieniemy is, is he's not well-deserving based on this season alone, and then you compare her to other coaches. Of course, it's easy to pick those coaches, Craig, if they're winning. You know what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, okay, I think I think we've gotten to the like the problem are. of the misunderstanding. I didn't just like yeah, those coaches because they were winning. I liked those coaches because the process was better. I liked those coaches because what they're doing makes sense for their personnel. I like those coaches because what they're okay. doing is innovative. I like what those those coaches but are you doing. Were high on Eric being a B when he came to the Commanders, and he was just coming off. Yeah, the and then he win. got more power and proved that that was a bad idea. When he got the power to be in charge of the offense, the offense was bad. And your solution to that, you're just saying nothing, Lap. You're just saying nothing. You can't just keep going saying, I just saying. You're not saying a thing. Why did I just turn into Chris Berman, Anthony? I don't know, man. What made you more tired? The exercise class that you took this morning or listening to that circular argument of nothingness? Uh, definitely this morning. Okay. We're going to talk about that more in a few minutes. Yeah. Um, I wanted Eric Bianami to work here so badly. I wanted him to ultimately, when he got here, be the head coach and take over from Ron. 
because I thought Eric Bieniemy would be really, really good at offensive coordinator without Andy Reid supervision. And if your response to a bad year, like this is the most power Bieniemy's ever had. And he took it. Now, are there other factors? Yes, because for all the power he had, he still was stuck in this organization, essentially with the last owner. Because he didn't get a chance to hire staff. They didn't get a chance to be super aggressive in free agency or with quarterbacks and personnel. But at the end of the day, there's a job that he was asked to do, and he did a bad job. And it's the most important job he's ever had in terms of power relative to the organization. Because when he was with Andy Reid, Andy Reid was the overseer of the offense. And he had a bigger voice than Eric Bieniemy. Eric Bieniemy was really important. And it took him a while this year in Kansas City to replace him, for sure. Some of their early season struggles, if EB's there, that might not happen. But they went to the Super Bowl without him. And these other coaches that now I'm supposed to think are lesser than Eric Bieniemy, according to Lapp's uh, quote-unquote logic, uh, are like some of the best at what they do. What are we? What are we doing here? What are we actually doing? We're not entertaining. Like that's. I'm gonna put it this way, Anthony. Unless Eric Bieniemy surprises me, and all of us, and there's an upset of the the millennium, and he gets the job, I'm not taking another Eric Bieniemy call. It's not worth our time. It's not. It's rude to everyone else who isn't obsessed with this one singular person. It's just rude. Like, you're, you all are smarter than this. And if you're not, like, you need to look around and ask some tough questions about yourself and be like, why am I so obsessed with this one person? Doesn't make any sense. Stop doing it. End of, end of story. Up next, fun time. Anthony joined me for a workout this morning, and he almost died. Uh, That story, he's nodding along. That story is next. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Uh, A show that worked out together this morning. Uh, Young Anthony Haney tested his fitness with your boy. Uh, shout out to, to the good folks at Elevate Interval Fitness, my home gym here in DC. Uh, if you're, you might, some of you might've heard of Hyrox, uh, which is coming to DC in March. Uh, this is uh, a fitness event that is got a lot of running. It's got lunges. It's got ski ergs. It's got sleds. It's got all kinds of stuff. It's, it's a fitness, uh, like ob- obstacle course racing kind of inspired. It's hybrid racing. That's it's part running, part lifting. Um, and, and the owner of Elevate is a guy named David Megita, who is the North American champion. Um, David's awesome. I train with him and, um, you know, my wife now teaches here and we're, my wife and I are are training for high rocks and, um, we've, we've talked about it obviously quite a bit and that includes here on the show. And, uh, Rachel has been trying to get Anthony to come to class. And and this morning, and you made the trip down from prep to Elevate. I did indeed. Uh, you almost didn't make it home. <laughs> I didn't. I, I'm not going to lie. So first of all, I had to, you know, wake up earlier than I usually do. Yeah. That also required me going to sleep earlier than I us- usually do. That didn't go well for you, did it? No, I couldn't I couldn't fall asleep. I was in bed, like, tossing and turning. 
I kept looking up in my phone. It was 12. That's 12, part of the problem. 30, you, can't, you can't be looking at one. the phone. <laughs> I'm just like, oh my God. But uh, I woke up, 6.30, got out, brushed my teeth. I was going to get some oatmeal, but uh, I didn't have any more plastic bowls in my crib. And I didn't want to take a glass bowl, leaving them. I, I don't like doing that. So uh, I rushed yeah. out of my house and uh, I looked up. It said 40 minutes. So I couldn't rush and go get some oatmeal. So I was like, I've done this before. I've worked out, you know, no breakfast, just water on my stomach. And uh, I was in for a rude awakening is what I was saying. Yeah, yeah. There was, uh, which is funny because I thought to myself two things. One, I was like, I should bring Ant some electrolyte supplement because I know that, like, that's going to matter. And I doubt he's bringing it. But, like, you know, he works out a lot. Like, he'll be fine. And I was like, you know what? Just in case, I feel like I should bring him some fuel. I should bring him, like, a honey stinger waffle. And I was like, nah, he was gonna, he was gonna have his oatmeal. We joked about it being the breakfast of Elliot Kipchoge, breakfast of champions. He'll be all right. He'll be all right. I really wish I would have brought that for you. Yeah. And so my favorite thing is, so we do like a quick tune-up, five rounds of some stuff, and then we get into the workout. And I will, I will nerd out and indulge the fitness enthusiast amongst us uh, <laughs> and tell everybody the workout in a second. Um, but it was a true hit class, so it's like timed and and it's all intervals and a bell goes off and you you start working and eventually another one goes off and you stop and you go to the next station but i will say in the warm-up like you came out hot like we we had to do some some shoulder tap push-ups yeah. anthony's just knocking out push-ups yeah like he's a he's a soldier of basic <laughs> training just one two three. like he was going i was like <laughs> either he's about to crush this class or this class is about to crush him i don't know which one it is but it's gonna be one of the two you ain't lying, dog. Like, I can do some push-ups. The mountain climbers weren't that bad. I'm like, that's going to be a piece of cake. Yeah, so you get you get done with that, and then we uh, we get into the, the actual workout. So today was at six stations, three rounds, um, which becomes important in a minute. Each station, this was a longer one, minute 45 at each station with 30 seconds rest in between. So the first station we went to was uh, – you did a, a dumbbell squat clean for eight and then a push press for eight. And then you just, if you, you finished that, you went back to the squat cleans. So that was station one. Station two, uh, kettlebell step up. So you're stepping onto a nice high box. Uh, you got eight of those. And then you got a, a deadlift to high pull with a heavier kettlebell. Uh, station three was a TRX tricep extension. So it's a, it's an arm exercise. Uh, and then you do four burpees. And then, then gets to the nasty half. The nasty half was you did uh, a sled push and then a pull back with just your arms. So you push the sled down, walk back to where you came from, grab the rope, and pull the sled on in. That was that. Then on the ski erg, you did a 150-meter uh, ski, 10-second rest, repeat till the time's up. And then you get on the assault bike, which is the nastiest piece of cardio equipment on the planet for my money. That's that or a Versa climber. Uh, and you do a 10 calorie sprint, uh, and then, and then take a 10 second rest and then you do all that again. And then you do all that again. How'd you feel? And the first station was funny. Cause like you, you hadn't really done a squat clean before so that we had, we had to do a little instruction there on that's, that's a very technical lift. Yeah. With the dumbbells, uh, cause I've done it with a barbell. I think it's a little bit easier. i um, never really did it with the dumbbells. So. Yeah, we had, to, we had to get through that. Uh, I had to fine tune my uh, my uh, mechanics, but uh, that wasn't too bad. The step ups wasn't that bad. The uh, 
the tricep extensions. Yeah. Now, when we got to the sled, oh, my gosh, Craig, after the second round, well, actually, during the second round. I was going to say, after the in the first round, did you, like, we go through the room once. Where was your confidence level? I was still feeling confident. Like, I, I think I was okay. But when we got to the sleds on the second round. Yeah, which, by the way, I had I the was, order backwards. We had the, we went to the ski erg and then the sled. Yeah. I was ready to call it quits. I, I was like, <laughs> so basically Yo. the exact halfway point. You got to the top yes. of the mountain and we're yes. like, I'm just going to sit here. I don't want to go down. Because I was like, I don't know how I'm going to finish, do another lap of this. The sleds killed me and then the skiers also were killing me. And then the bikes. That was, a lot of you not correct. The last two times we got on the bike, I had my eyes closed and I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> Going through the motions, essentially, dude. I, <laughs> I was Anthony, insane. believe it or not, I took a peek over and could see that. <laughs> I was in pain. You were, I, you were in pain. <laughs> slash, I. I thought I was gonna pass out. Man. I thought you were gonna pass out. Yeah. I we got off the bikes at the end of round two, and I looked back, and Anthony looks like he's sleepwalking to back to the first station. Yeah. And I just went, my boy's in trouble. My eyes were biggest, like they were just expanded like I, I didn't know what to do uh coach rachel is listening uh aka my <laughs> wife uh she, she's the one who told me i got the order wrong sorry sorry babe uh she, she goes anthony's eyes got bigger on the sled yeah i saw the eyes closed i saw the pain pain cave i also thought he was going to pass out yeah i was ready to pass out i think my second win kicked in yeah, a, a little bit. <laughs> slash, you got back to a station that you could you could fake it better. Yeah, and tried to recover a little bit. Yeah, I will say this: you were very springy as an athlete. Your burp when you get, did the burpees and had to jump up. Yeah. I was like, dang, wish I could <laughs> jump like that. Um, I was trying to not to drop jump so high. I don't know why I would just. You're like, I got to do something. Well, I got to do something impressive. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, that was a tough one. That, that was, was a tough one. And it takes a long time to get into that. It's a very specific time. I don't even want to say shape. It's conditioning. Yeah. And it's a different. If you're not doing that kind of conditioning, it ain't gonna. It ain't gonna go. Great. Yeah. So you, you ever want to come back? No, I'll come back for sure. Like, I feel like you want. I feel like you want redemption. I feel like you want to come back, and just you just want to be like, I got. I'm gonna eat first, yep. and I'm gonna. I'm gonna get this, my hydration straight. And I'm gonna come back, and I'm gonna I'm gonna show better. I was just telling my dad that I told him next time I go, I'm gonna make sure I eat. But also, these next couple of weeks, I'm getting back in the gym. I gotta get back in shape. I'm not. I'm I'm so out of shape. I'm an athletic guy, so like my it's, it's conditioning. Yeah, what's in shape for me is like up here, and I yeah. think I'm like really down here. Got it. But this is entirely different. So yeah, no. If if you're gonna plan on coming back. We can get, we can give you some circuits to do. All right, that's bad. We can get it. Uh, what time are you going to go to bed tonight? And have how long did you nap today? Already. Uh, so I've napped for I want to say an hour and a half. <laughs> I want to say I napped for an hour and a half, and uh, I will definitely probably be going to sleep before you and Rachel. So before ten o'clock. Most likely. Nice. Yes. Michael Phillips is next. <laughs> 